Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And today we are continuing our financial tune-up series. After a year of chaos and a year of change for a lot of people, a lot of disruption for a lot of people, really probably everyone, I should say, this is a great time to make sure that your finances are in order. Every time is a great time to make sure your finances are in order, but no time like this where there's been so much change and so much that has gone differently than most people would have expected. So what we're doing today is this is the third episode in our four-part series of the financial tune-up series. Today, what we're going to be talking about is what issues should I consider? What issues should you consider as you review your different insurance policies? We'll talk about health insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, and long-term care insurance. And just like the other two episodes prior to this and like the episode next week, all of these checklists and cheat sheets will be available on the Ready for Retirement webpage, readyforretirement.co. Go to the podcast page and find today's episode, and there will be a checklist that you can download that has everything that we're we'll going to be going over today, just as we did for the last couple of episodes. So let's look at this. The first thing that we should always look at with insurance is what's the need for insurance? Well, insurance is there because it protects us against things that probably won't happen, but if they do happen, could have a potentially devastating impact upon us financially. So those things are not always fun to talk about, but there could be an extreme health event. There could be loss of life. There could be a disability. There could be a long-term care need. And that's why we need insurance. Now, the thing about insurance is the need for it certainly changes over time. So just because insurance at one time in your life was appropriate does not mean that it will always be appropriate. Maybe not appropriate at all to even have the insurance. So that's what we'll cover in today's episode as a flyby of the things that you should be looking at, as well as some context in terms of when you might be needing this insurance versus maybe when you could consider giving it up, if at all. Let's start with health insurance. Now, the first thing to look at with health insurance is if you are married, do each spouse does each spouse have an employer-sponsored health insurance plan? If so, review both of those options to see what's best for you. And it doesn't just come down to what's the cheapest. What you want to look at is you want to look at monthly premiums. You want to look at deductibles. You want to look at co-pays. You want to look at out-of-pocket expenses. You want to look at any employer potential HSA matching. You want to look at doctors in your network. You want to make sure that you're doing a thorough review of each policy, of each plan, health insurance plan, to see what's the best for you. What's the best in terms of the most cost-effective? What's the best in terms of what it provides, the doctors available? And make sure that you're using the best plan not just the cheapest, it's what's the best value for you. So if each spouse does have one, make sure that you're doing a full review on each of the plans to understand which plan you should each use. Next, if you're paying for health insurance coverage on your own, so maybe you don't have an employer-sponsored plan or maybe you're self-employed, whatever it might be, if you're paying for insurance on the health insurance marketplace, consider the following. Your coverage may automatically renew, but Make sure that you are shopping other plans before you let it auto-renew by looking at the total cost. So the monthly premium again, the deductibles, the co-pays, the out-of-pocket expenses, the doctors in your network, look at the total cost of that and make sure that before you let your plan auto-renew, look at other options. See if there's a better option for you. Or if not, at least you have the peace of mind of knowing that you are still in the best plan for you. 
If your income or if your family size has changed, keep in mind that your eligibility for subsidies might change and keep in mind that you might need a different type of plan to provide the right coverage for your growing family or for different levels of income. So keep these different things in mind year by year. Don't let, don't just let policies automatically renew. Make sure that you are given the due diligence before letting that happen. Now, if you're a Medicare, consider the following. If you, if you do ever move to a new state, review what Medicare supplement and advantage plans are offered in that new location. They're going to be different from place to place. And a lot of people, they retire, they move out of state, they move somewhere else. So make sure that if that is the case, make sure you're reviewing the Medicare supplement and advantage plans that are offered in that new location. Also, if you have lost creditable drug coverage from an employer plan in order to avoid lifetime penalties, make sure that you are enrolling a Medicare Part D within 63 days. If you don't, there will be some lifetime penalties that you would have to pay on that. So again, if you've lost credible drug coverage for an employer plan and you're of Medicare age, make sure that you're enrolling a Medicare Part D within 63 days, otherwise lifetime penalties could apply. Also, review your drug needs as Part D and Medicare Advantage plans will change their drug coverage year to year. So as you're looking at the drugs needed, prescriptions needed, review those on an annual basis. It's not the same thing that you can expect every single year with Part D and Advantage plans. So make sure that you are reviewing those. So that, that's kind of it on the health insurance side. Now on the life insurance side, the first thing to ask is have your life insurance needs changed? So often someone's coming to me and they have term policy or they have some life insurance policy and as we're reviewing their budget, let's say it's a term policy, for example. I ask them, I say, what's, what's the purpose of this policy? I mean, their kids are grown, their kids are through college. I'm talking to a couple that's maybe about to enter retirement. And they kind of look at me with a puzzled face as if to say, what do you mean? What's the purpose of this? The purpose of this is so if one of us dies, the other's going to be okay. And then I press deeper. I say, okay, let, let's, let's play through this. Not fun to talk about, but let's assume, Joe, you pass away. Is Mary going to be financially okay even without this life insurance? And they start thinking and think, okay. Well, she would have social security. She would have her pension. She would have her 401k. She would have all Joe's assets. Of course, I'm just making up a name. And then it hits them that, you know what? We really don't need this life insurance anymore. So the first thing to note with life insurance is, do you still need it? Life insurance isn't something that you necessarily need for your whole life. You need it when there would be a financial burden placed upon your spouse or your children or any, any financial dependence that you have if you were to pass away. Now, once you've done a good enough job of saving and investing and planning that you have income, you have assets, you have money that could be accessed by any dependents or by a spouse, you maybe don't need life insurance anymore. So the first thing to look at with life insurance issues is have your life insurance needs changed. Do you still need to fund future expenses, whether it's raising children or college or other future goals? Do you have debts that would need to be paid off? Or do you have the ability outside of insurance to pay those off? Maybe it's a mortgage. If you don't have any of those significant expenses, and if you are financially independent, you might be in a position where you're self-insured. And when you're self-insured, you can keep the life insurance policy if you would want to, but keep in mind that whatever that premium is, it's more of a premium that you're paying for peace of mind than it is for something that you need financially. Sometimes people are okay with that. They say, I'd rather, I would pay for this. I know it's an extra expense I don't need, but it provides a degree of peace of mind. Others, as soon as the light bulb goes off and they realize they don't need it, right away, they say, I'd rather take that money and save it or invest it or spend it. But if I don't need life insurance, it's not an expense I want to pay is, is kind of the thought process there. So make sure that you understand what your actual needs are. 
Now, next thing is, has there been a change to your life insurance coverage? This could include employer benefits. If so, consider how this impacts your financial situation. So has a life insurance policy lapsed? Is your employer benefit, maybe it's a percentage or it's a multiple of your income and maybe your income's gone up or down, which changes the life insurance amount you might be receiving. So just make sure you understand how much insurance coverage you have on life insurance side and what your financial situation might require. Next, do you own any permanent life insurance or whole life insurance? Anything that's really not term, something that could last indefinitely. If so, do the following. Number one, if you haven't reviewed the policy in a few years, request an enforced illustration to review policy performance. See how it's actually doing. See if it makes sense to even keep it at this point. In some cases, it very well might make a ton of sense. In some cases, it could make sense dropping it. Whole life insurance can be very expensive. And as you're looking to retire and as you're looking to do different things, that can be a cost that's pretty significant. Now, you could be at a point where the current premium is being fully covered by the dividends of the policy or the cash value of the policy, and that cash value continues to grow. If so, you could consider keeping it. You're at that point where the policy is self-sustaining. The policy is paying for itself, and it's an extra asset that you have that will not only provide a death benefit, but could be something that you draw upon in retirement. But typically, if you're at the beginning stages of a whole life policy, there are cases there where sometimes it just makes sense to stop paying altogether, where you look at the opportunity costs or where those dollars could be going instead, it might not make that much sense. If you own term insurance, look at the following. How many years are left on the policy? So let's say there's five years left on a policy. Fast forward five years. Will you be self-insured at that point like we just talked about? Where you'll have enough in savings and investments and maybe your mortgage will be paid off and maybe some big goals like college or home purchase or things like that are going to be fully covered. If so, then you may be fine to keep paying it for a few more years and let it lapse. If not though, then consider what your next game plan will be or what your next plan of attack will be. If your insurance policy is going to lapse in five years and you're not going to be self-insured, ask yourself the question, do you wait five years to try to get a new policy then? not knowing what health will be like, not knowing what rates will be like, or do you consider getting a new policy now with the amount of insurance you need now, and then consider letting your current policy lapse so that you replace it? Or do you do a combination of the two? Maybe let your current policy play out for the next five years, but understand how much insurance you might need starting five years from today. So for example, maybe today I need a million dollars of coverage so that if I passed away, my wife would be okay, kids would be okay, and and everything else would be all right. But if I run some financial planning projections, I see that in five years, maybe I only need half a million dollars of insurance because of projected savings and mortgage pay down and maybe a child or two will be out of the home. Well, if that's the case, maybe today I get $500,000 of coverage and do it for 10 to 15 years. And so I'm essentially overinsured for the next five years. Because what I'm doing is I'm buying a policy that I'll need five years from now, knowing that I can lock in a premium, knowing that if there's a health event or something that it causes me not to be able to be insured, I don't need to worry about that because I'm, lock- because I'm locking it in now. Plus, I have my existing policy. So I'm kind of overinsured for the next five years, but then from then on out, I know that my family is protected. So just different ways of looking at it. But review different terms. Review how much longer you have on the policy. Review the premium. Review how much coverage that you need. If you have annually renewable term, it can be more expensive as that policy renews year after year once the initial term is over. But in some cases, that might be the best option. God forbid that something happens to you where you have your coverage and maybe you come down with a serious health event and you know that once a policy lapses, you won't qualify for new insurance. 
Well, the cheapest thing to do may be to allow your policy to renew and then to keep doing that year after year, paying a higher premium, but knowing that's the only way that you might get coverage, especially if you have some type of a terminal illness. So make sure that you're just looking at all these things so you understand how much you need and what the best game plan is going forward. And then look at the owners and the beneficiaries on your policy. Did you go through a divorce and maybe you need to remove your ex-spouse as a beneficiary? Did you update or create a family trust? Now your family trust needs to be the beneficiary. Have you had more children and you need to add your child as one of the beneficiaries? So these are all the things that you need to make sure that you're doing. Do you maybe consider having an irrevocable life insurance trust? Would that be appropriate considering the size of your estate and the different things that you want to be able to do? So with life insurance, it's really only doing you any good if the beneficiaries and the owners on the policy are correct. So that is a very important thing to make sure that you are reviewing as well. Next is disability insurance. So a lot of people, this is one of the areas where I see people are most underinsured. People know about health insurance. People know about life insurance. People know about long-term care insurance after a certain age. But a lot of people do not think about disability insurance. Thankfully, if you work for a corporation, a lot of times, if it's a big corporation, long-term care, I'm sorry, long-term disability insurance will simply be one of the things that's included as part of your benefits package, and you don't need to think about it. But if not, this is something that you'll at least want to seriously consider. The odds of you becoming disabled and unable to work are much greater in many instances than the odds of you passing away. So if you don't have disability insurance, and if you're unable to work, that could be more financially devastating in some cases than actual death could be. So here's some things to review. Number one, has there been a change in employer coverage? So if your employer provides disability insurance, look to see during open enrollment, is there anything changing about that? If so, make sure that you're updating your coverage to reflect that. Next, if your employer does provide disability insurance, do you need to determine the coverage to see if it's adequate? So a lot of times with long-term disability, you'll get coverage that is up to 60% of your income. So if I'm bringing home $10,000 a month and have a disability policy, that disability policy might pay me $6,000 per month if I were to become disabled and I'm unable to work. It would replace my income not 100%, but 60%. So I would then have $6,000 per month coming in. Now, keep in mind, if you do become disabled, you'd be eligible or you may be eligible for Social Security disability in addition to employer-sponsored coverage. So be mindful of any social security offset provisions, but with social security disability, it takes longer to be eligible for, and there's there's a lot more that you need to go through. But if you do become eligible for social security disability, then whatever your social security benefit at full retirement age would have been, so between 66 and 67 for most people, that is the amount that you now be able to collect as a disability benefit. Now, if there's a gap between what you may be receiving or may receive in your income needs during disability, you may be able to purchase additional disability insurance. So how do you understand this? Well, you you look at your expenses. You understand if I were to be disabled, what's my take-home income? What's my take-home paycheck? And how much of that would I need to continue have coming in to pay my mortgage, to support my family, to put food on the table? Compare whatever that number is to the income you would receive from a disability policy. And if it's enough, great. Your disability coverage would fully support you if anything were to happen. But if it's not enough, that's where you may need to have an additional policy in order to support that. There can be some trickiness with this as you do want to make sure that you're working with both policies. You don't want to have two different policies. And if something were to happen to you, they both point to each other and say they're responsible for it. So you want to make sure this is coordinated and you want to make sure you're doing it correctly. But you also do want to make sure that you have sufficient disability income coverage. 
And if there ever is a job change in the future, consider purchasing private disability insurance that is not tied to an employer. That way, if there's a job change, it doesn't matter. You have private disability coverage and that's owned by you and it goes with you regardless of where you're working. Next, make sure that you understand the details of how your disability insurance works. There's things called waiting periods. There's different definitions of disability. So what qualifies as a disability and would trigger benefits? There's different coverage amounts. So make sure you understand these. You know, for example, what's the waiting period? The waiting period is how long between the disability, the time of disability and when benefits would start being paid. If the waiting period is six months, for example, well, then you need to make sure that you have an emergency fund of at least six months so that if something happens to you, you have income to get you through that waiting period. Now, the other alternative is also having a short-term disability policy that would cover that, but I'm typically a bigger fan of having an emergency fund instead of a short-term disability policy, and then it's a long-term disability coverage that is really where the real risk is of not having that coverage, of not having something that could last all the way until you're eligible for social security or retirement. And then just review your total disability income sources. This could be everything from social security, employer disability policies, individual policies. Make sure that you're reviewing all this to see if you're under or overinsured. And at the end of the day, you have the adequate amount of insurance. So you're not paying too little and being too underinsured, and you're not paying too much and being overinsured. Last thing to look at here is long-term care insurance. So If you have a long-term care insurance policy, or I guess I should start, if you don't have a long-term care insurance policy, typically somewhere around age 60 is when you want to start looking for that. If you get a long-term care insurance policy too much sooner, well, you're just paying on it for a lot of years before you actually start using it, and that can get really expensive. If you get it too much later, your premiums are going to go up each each year you wait. And the longer you wait, the more those premiums are going to become, and it might just become prohibitively expensive. So somewhere around 60 is a good rule of thumb for when to look at this and look at it to see if you even need it. Sometimes we always look at long-term care, long-term care, long-term care. I need a long-term care policy and maybe, but keep in mind, long-term care insurance, you could potentially self-insure in the same way you could self-insure for life insurance. If you retire and let's say you have a great pension from work and you have social security income and you have a couple rental properties and you've got investments, you've done a good job of saving you may not need long-term care insurance. Long-term care insurance is not cheap. And instead of paying a premium, if you were to have a long-term care event and you look at your plan and your income sources and your assets and you see that you'd be fully okay even without one, even if you had a really expensive long-term care event and it lasted for longer than the average long-term care event, if you would just be fine without one, maybe you don't need a long-term care insurance policy. If you do though, consider the following. Review the different types of services offered by long-term care. Is it home care? Is it assisted living? Is it nursing home care? And understand what might be needed. This is going to be based upon things like family history, your own health history, just understanding what you want to be able to protect against so that you can understand what services might be best for you if needed. Next, review the the benefit amount. So a long-term care insurance policy, it's not going to provide unlimited benefits. You are essentially buying a benefit amount which is typically a monthly amount up to some total benefit cap. And once it's out, it's out. So review the benefit amount. Is it a fixed amount or is it adjusted for inflation? Review the benefit period. How long would the insurance company pay benefits out for if needed? Understand exactly what you're getting from that so that you can see how that it fits in your overall plan. And then review specific features. Again, the elimination period. How long until the benefits would actually kick in? 
Look at different discounts. Look at waiver of premiums. Look at inflation riders. There's so many different features of this. You want to make sure that you're designing the right policy for your needs. And then it have, if you do have a policy already, have you received any notices of a premium increase? With long-term care insurance policies, it's not uncommon for the carrier to implement a premium increase. So if you do receive a notice of a premium increase, meaning the cost of your policy is going to become more expensive, make sure you review the new options provided. Take into account changes to in benefits amounts, cost of living adjustments, premiums, elimination periods. Make sure that you're considering the insurer's history of rate increases. Make sure that you're making a well-educated, well-informed decision as you look at the premiums and what might be available to you so that you can make the best possible decision. So that is it for today. We looked at health insurance. We looked at life insurance. We looked at disability insurance. We looked at long-term care insurance, all part of our financial tune-up series making sure that if, after a year of disruption, you are making that your financial house, making sure that your financial house is in order. So that is it for today's episode. Again, there's a cheat sheet on the podcast page on the readyforretirement.co webpage. Find today's episode. And there's a checklist cheat sheet that has all this included. Go ahead and access that there. Thank you as always for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.